Hello, Trisha. Welcome to the Recovering Entrepreneur Show. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Great. I'm glad you could be here with us today. Thank you. Good to be here. I appreciate the invite and your flexibility. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a part of my dream to kind of showcase lots of different people in the communities that I play in, in the entrepreneurial space and give my audience a chance to get to know you. So if you don't mind kicking us off, maybe start with personal first. Who are you? Where are you from? All that good stuff. And then we could dig into the work stuff. Sure, sure. So I'm an Indiana girl living in Connecticut now. So I'm a Hoosier, as you'll say, but I'm really a Boilermaker. So I'll explain that. Um, I grew up in Indiana, went to Purdue University, which is the Boilermakers, studied chemical engineering. um, And then I got my MBA at Carnegie Mellon, which is how I met my husband. Uh, We met in Japan uh, on a school trip, which is kind of odd. But uh, ended up coming back to the United States, continuing our courtship, and um, got married. He's from India, so I was married in India, and now I um, have left my corporate career and am a stay-at-home mom and business owner managing the family with two girls now 9 and 12, keep me on my toes constantly. Um, I used to be very active as a young person. And then I ended up with some work injuries. And so I had to quit my job and take care of my health for about five years, which was a huge challenge for me. And then when I got my health back, I decided to start working out again. And um, I'm in a situation now where I went from, you know, sitting on the couch and being, couldn't zip up my pants to I'm a triathlete and marathoner. And actually this and running a half marathon coming up. So I'm so excited that I've been able to transform my mind and my body through um, health and nutrition. And I really believe that when you feel good and you look good, you can pursue your passions in a much stronger way. Oh, wow. I agree. I have, I have kind of a personal question if it's okay. Go for it. You said that you got married in India. So did that mean you had like a seven day wedding did you have one of those big, crazy weddings? <laughs> so um, they shortened it. It was all day thing, but it started. My husband was in the ceremony at like five in the morning. And then we met um, at the place where we got married, which is a hotel that they decorated. And uh, then I was in a ceremony with my parents separately. And then he was in his ceremony with his parents separately. And then eventually we come together but it's really odd like there's this there's part he's from south india so part of the tradition and my we weren't aware of this is that he's supposed to go on a trip so he where he was like had an umbrella and to symbolize that he was leaving and not going to marry me and the joke is in and it has happened where the groom just runs away and it's like i'm not gonna get married oh wow and so he's He's like, okay, bye. My dad's like, what? And my dad's like, please marry my daughter. Please marry my daughter. And I didn't find out about this till I saw the video after the wedding. And I was like, I can't believe you did that. He's like, it's just a joke. It's just part of the ceremony thing. But it's actually, they reenact that as part of the ceremony where he pretends to leave and not want to marry me. And my dad's thinking, um, we just traveled halfway around the world to see you marry my daughter and you're going to not marry her now. (laughs) So, um, but it's just interesting. And, you know, there's a part in the actual ceremony where we are tied together. So when they say tie the knot, 
no joke. They literally tied our fabric together and we tied the knot and we were tethered <laughs> for, I don't know, however many hours we were tethered. So you have to be careful when you're walking, when you're tied to somebody. But I thought that was neat because have you heard of tied the knot before? Yeah. It means something for real. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing all that. It's, it's intriguing sure. to me. That's why I kind of went down that path. It sure. sounds like a lot of fun. And especially yeah. getting to do it somewhere different, you know, than I'm from Connecticut. So there's not a whole lot of uh, <laughs> excitement happening well, there. I always wanted a destination wedding because I've never wanted to like plan a big thing. And so um, the sad part about going to India was all his family, not all his family, most of his family was there. Um, but my family couldn't show up except for my parents because you just can't get that many people to travel to India. And then um, we ended up having a party in Indiana for my family. But yeah. There you go. You get twice, twice the party. Exactly. Multiple. And we were officially married on a different day because our wedding in India wasn't a legal wedding. It was a religious ceremony. So we got married on our back porch in Connecticut. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. to celebrate. <laughs> I love that. Well, why don't you bring us into the business world a little? What are you doing as a business owner from home, raising two girls? Yes. So uh, I'm in health and wellness, and my mission is to really help women, women understand the habits and the rituals that they can create in their daily life, even when they're busy, even when the, you know, the house is burning down type situation, how you can create these habits so that you can look and feel your best and pursue your passions. It feels like moms, especially my, my main target, but really caregivers, they do everything for everybody else and leave nothing for themselves. And I teach them that when they fill their cup and they fill it and it runneth over, it is able to pour into everybody else too. And so through mindset, nourishment and movement, I call it my M&M process. So it's not those little chocolate candies that melt your mouth, not your hands. It's mindset, nourishment and movement. Um, I take you through that process of developing that mindset, which includes your motivation as to why you want to change your habits so that you can create a life that you wake up every morning and you're excited to start your day and, and without your passion. That sounds like an amazing result for everyone. It, well, <laughs> I'm a different person than I was two years ago. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so you're teaching people the process that you went undergo to get off the couch and, and become a half marathon you said is coming up. Yeah, I'm doing half marathon coming up, but last year I ran my first marathon. So what happened was a little over two years ago, I met a man who basically transformed the way that I was thinking about things. I also started taking new nutritional supplements. And through all the personal development training I was doing and the supplements, I started feeling like a lot better. Um, I, what I did mention before is I was also in a car accident. So I'd gained my health back from work, but then I was in a car accident that put me through a downward spiral and I, I got depressed and overweight. <laughs> and one day I went to the doctor's office and I sipped on the scale and I weighed as much as I did when I was pregnant with my second daughter. And I was like, this is not me. This is not me. So that day I decided I was going to go for a walk. And for a year, I went for a walk every day for an hour. And I lost all the weight and I felt so much better because you're outside, giving fresh air, grounding. I did a lot of barefoot walking too, which is very helpful. Um, and then when I met this other person, like I still couldn't work out. I still had the residual injuries from the car accident. 
Um, but through the, through meeting my mentor and taking supplements, I was feeling better. I was willing to take a chance and I went to a gym. And then once I worked out with the right person who understood my injuries, they helped me like build my confidence. Like I could do one thing. So then I kept pushing and I was like, Oh my God, you know, I had this dream that I thought was totally crazy that I wanted to be a triathlete. And, um, I needed to run 3.1 miles because it's a sprint triathlon. And I said to my, my trainer, I go, do you think I can do it? And she's like, Oh yeah, you got six months for that. We'll get you ready. So I signed up on January 1st, 19 or sorry, 2019. I signed up and I was working out kind of by myself six days a week. And then I got the training plan um, in April and it was like a 12 week training plan. And the guy went to this session and he says, if you follow this plan, I guarantee you'll finish the triathlon. And I'm like, all right, man, you tell me I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And so I had a six day week workout schedule when I was swimming, biking and running. And it took me, well, in January, I basically started running. It took me six weeks to be able to run three foot one miles because I was starting from scratch. I was never a runner. And then I picked up biking because I knew how to ride a bike. It wasn't that hard, but I was afraid of riding my bike on the road. That's just busy <laughs> where I live. And then um, I kind of developed a little bit of that skill, but I was still nervous. And then I was a high, swam in high school, but I was never like the best, but I could swim. So I liked that the best because I was like the best at swimming and didn't hurt anything. <laughs> but when I crossed the finish line, and I, I had to, like, I was like, my fa my parents came, they were uh, living in Indiana at the time, but they came because they were like so proud of me to like go from sitting on a couch to being a, a triathlete in less than a year. I just, people kept encouraging me to keep going. Like I, I rented a wetsuit and the woman's like, when I went to return it the next day, she said, Trisha, you worked so hard to get here. So hard. Why would you stop now? The season's really short. And so I'm like, um okay, I guess I'll keep going. And then I did another triathlon. And at that triathlon, I met a coach for a different triathlon. He encouraged me to do his triathlon to raise money for kids with cancer. I'm like, okay. So I did this third triathlon. And during that um, time frame, he's like, oh, by the way, we need people to raise money for kids with cancer. We have spots available on our New York City marathon. Who Would anybody like to run? And I laughed. I'm like, ha, oh, there's no way I could run a marathon. I barely finished 3.1 miles. And he looked at me and he said, if you can do this triathlon, you can run the New York City Marathon. So with less than two months to prepare, I went, okay, I'll sign up. And I had to raise $3,000. So I was like, oh. I didn't know how much money I had to raise before I said yes. And I was more nervous about asking people for money, even though it's kids with cancer. So it's like an amazing cause and it, it's very personal to me. And, um, but I was, I said like, I'm more nervous about getting money for this than I am for running the marathon. But thankfully I had a lot of supporters from Facebook and other friends. And I like posted, um, like I'm doing this. And the first person to donate was actually my, my closest friend from high school, um, and why this was so personal to me is I had helped her when she had this short term move to New York because her son had cancer and he unfortunately passed, which is why I was passionate to raise money. Um, but literally the second I posted it to Facebook that I was doing this and why I was, why I was running the marathon because everybody from high school knew Trisha doesn't run. She's a ballet dancer. Um, 
he was the father was the first one to, to donate money. And I was like, Oh God, like you're paying attention to me because you know, how the Facebook algorithm works. Like, so, um, I was so proud. Like my parents still living in Indiana flew out to, to New York or drove out to New York. We, my brother came in from Massachusetts and we made like a weekend of going to uh, New York and enjoying the weekend. And that was 2019. And, um, it was just, such an emotional thing to know, like, I wasn't doing it for me. And I wasn't a runner before. And then I became a runner. And so I hear a lot of people tell me, Oh, I'm not a runner. And I'm like, I wasn't a runner either. I became a runner because I decided this, you know, raising money for kids with cancer was way more important. That family has it way harder than me to try and figure out how to run 26.2 miles. And when you're about to hit the wall with like 20 miles or 22 miles and you're just thinking, man, I just can't go on any further. Like I just think back to Jack and that was my, the son of my friend who passed. Um, and I said, you know, Rebecca, John, Jack, like they had it way harder than me. So Trisha, just buck up and just keep going and you're doing it for them. And so having something and that's the motivation that I help people with. Like you have to have something that pulls you through those hard times because no matter what happens, no matter what you're going for, you're going to run into so many barriers and you have to find a way to decide it's worth going over, going through, going like getting past that barrier, however you possibly can. And especially with, you know, people who are trying to lose weight, like it's not really mine like number one focus, like I don't really care about the scale, but if you look in the mirror and you don't like the way you look, like I don't want anybody to feel that way. I want everyone to feel beautiful and sexy and strong. Like that's, that's what I want for women. But if they're only focused on, you know, like, oh, they're not focused on the dream of what they could become. That dream pulls them through the day where they, you know, they eat something that they realize they shouldn't be eating. And then they, instead of going off the wagon, they're like, oh, wait a second, but I have this vision of who I am. And this vision is so important. Or I want to be able to walk, you know, for people who are depending on where they are, like they have, I want to be able to run, run a 5K or I want to be a triathlete, whatever that is, the why of why you want to make the transformation just has to be so strong in order for you to get up and do the work whatever, whatever that dream is. So I love that having a why that, that ties in, I think a lot to people who become self-employed too. Like as I was listening to your story, I was drawing that connection, but I thought it was interesting. I'm going to digress a little, but you keep saying that was 2019 or 2019. And when you say it, it feels so far away. That's what I kept thinking was that was only last year. So it's yeah, I mean it was the marathon was I think November third or something. And then um then I hired the guy who got me through the marathon to be my triathlete coach. And I thought once I crossed that finish line, I thought, oh my God, I could do an Ironman distance. Which is 140 miles combined swimming, biking, and running. And, um because I could if I could physically run twenty six point two miles, then I can find a way to bike another hundred miles and swim a couple miles and just, yeah, you have, but yeah, 2019 was really just short ago. And I'm in fact, 
I went to Spain with my coach um, and, and 12 other people who wanted to ride the mountains of, of Antiquara, Spain. Um, and we literally got back on Sunday and they closed the country down that Thursday. Like everybody was, I was like, oh my God, I barely made it home. <laughs> I got home from Asia on February 1st. Wow. So it was so close. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was very close. My job wouldn't let me go back. They didn't know what to do with me because it was so new. There wasn't rules or protocols, but people went to HR and said, she's coming back from Thailand. You know, like, what are we going to do? So they made me stay home for a while. Yeah. So. Did everything, I'm assuming everything worked out okay? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fine. And I wasn't worried, but I guess people take that as lack of respect. And that wasn't my intention at all. I just feel like if I was supposed to get it, I would have got it when I was there or on the plane or whatever. But. Yeah. I mean, I traveled from Spain, although I traveled from a part of Spain that wasn't a well-traveled area. It's more where people go in the summer. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, I was on an airplane from Europe right when this whole thing was getting big. So yeah, it's crazy. Knock on wood. I'm hoping all these supplements and all this work I'm doing is keeping me from, even if I was exposed, not getting anything. Yeah. So you're preparing for an Ironman now? Yeah, it's a long process. Um, but that's my long-term goal. So I guess if I had five hours a day to train, I could probably do it next year. But I'm not willing to sacrifice that much of my time of my family and other things that I need to do. So I know everybody else said you should graduate up. So um, this past summer, my coach had a session where I was the only person who did Olympic distance, which is a one quarter of an Ironman. And then I think there were five guys who did half Ironman. One guy who was on his coaching team who did the full Ironman distance. So he created the path. And everything. So I was proud of myself for, for doing the Olympic distance, which was what was that? I think that was like a quarter mile. I don't know. It was like a thousand yard swim and um, 25 mile bike ride and a 7.2 or so run. And my parents were just on the way. They moved from Indiana to Connecticut. So they were able to come cheer me on. Yeah. So I think big destinations my parents would cheer me on because they're so like surprised and amazed that I'm still doing this. <laughs> Yeah, it takes dedication for sure. You're not coaching your folks now on how to do these kind of big events. Yours is, is more like, can you tell me what your coaching program looks like? or, or what? Yeah, so, like? um, so the clients that I'm working with right now, we are, their, their primary goal is they want to lose weight. They know that they should eat the right thing, but they have nobody holding them accountable. And um, they also don't really have a reason why, and they don't have somebody reminding them of that why. And so right now I'm teaching them the importance of eating enough food and making sure that your activity matches how you're basically how, if you want to lose weight, you need to still eat a healthy amount of food um, with the right balance of protein, carbs, and fat so that you feel full so that you then don't binge <laughs> and then kind of start this cycle. Um, but that those of my clients right now are in the, you know, hey, I really just am sick of being 50 pounds overweight. 
Um, I have not lived 50 pounds overweight. I've lived about 15 pounds overweight. So like, I know what it takes to go from that to there, but, and I did help my dad lose 60 pounds. So I feel like pretty confident about that. Um, I would love to help people get off the couch, which is part of like the next step is that you have to start stacking habits. You can't make a thousand changes all at once and expect them all to stick. So right now we're just talking about being mindful about what you eat and writing things down. Um, we're also going to talk about how you incorporate movement in your day every single day. Um, I share with them my morning routine, which, you know, I'd be happy to share with the viewers here, like the five habits I call to get your while back. Um, but it really focuses around your mindset, your nourishment and your movement. And so if if you, again, if you don't have a reason why you want to change your life, you're never going to have sustainable change. You might have something for a minute, but, you know, you look at the long term and you just realize you fell back into old patterns because you haven't learned to change the patterns. So there is a lot of mindset associated with getting achievable results. But usually when people join me, like they're not there yet. They're not, you're, they're not ready to go deep they just need the basics of what should, what kinds of food should I be eating? How often should I be eating? And what's the way to, for me to keep track of this and then get movement in my day. The longer that I work with them, you know, they'll understand more of the whole mindset of the different, how you literally start changing your habits and consistently do the things so that you get the results that you want long-term. I would love to hear the five things, but first I got to ask you, mm -hmm. my other show is about gambling addiction mm -hmm. and I've, I've had some folks on there from different, uh, across different addictions, you know, um, mm -hmm. porn, drugs and alcohol mm -hmm. and food. And I guess what I, I'm wondering, I love your approach about the why, because it keeps mm -hmm. you moving forward, but I'm learning from my experience and from different, I guess it's just the exposure I've had that a lot of times people have to go back to find out what's causing us to overeat in the first place or to gamble or drink or to do the thing. Like there's a little bit of backwards work. Do you get into that? Does that show up in the kind of work that you're doing? I might be way off base. I'm just curious. Cause no, I mean, almost everybody has a trigger as to why they're doing whatever it is they're doing. There is a trigger. And so it's like the trigger creates a feeling and then you do an action. So you have to find a way to recognize the trigger. So if somebody decides they want to eat a gallon of ice cream, okay, so you ate a gallon of ice cream. What was it that happened before you ate that gallon of ice cream? Okay. Okay, so you figure out there was something that made them have an, an event occurred, which was a trigger, which then caused the feeling which then caused them to take action. And then they got a result from it. They're like, woohoo, I feel happy now because I ate that gallon of ice cream. So you can't just tell somebody you well, don't eat the gallon of ice cream. You have to say, what were you, what, what was happening in your life? For most people, it's about feelings. They're feeling something. They're feeling unloved. They're feeling threatened. They're feeling, you know, and they just, and they find, find the thing that makes them that gives them the feeling that they're looking for. And so that doesn't happen in week one. That doesn't, you know, you're, you're first, you've got to build the trust with the client. 
because they're not, most people aren't willing to reveal right away, right, right. you know, that a traumatic event happened in their life. And, and I'm not a qualified therapist from that perspective of it. So I would probably have to outsource, like if, you know, if they're going through s- some major traumatic event, I, w- I would probably say you need to have a conversation with a, ther- a trained therapist about this. Um, but like, if you just got, if your kid just like decided to, you know, yell back at you or whatever, and for whatever reason that caused a memory of an event that you had with your parent and the way that you were able to resolve it back then when your metabolism could handle it was going for an ice cream because, ah, you feel like whatever you just have to remember there's events that happen today that can trigger something from in the past. And depending on what that past event was, I could help somebody through that. But if it's, if it's trauma, then you got to get people just need help. And I truly believe in the power of therapy um, to, to work through and get past some of those traumatic events. But right now my clients haven't said anything to me that makes me believe that the reason why they're overeating or the, why they're not moving their bodies has anything to do with the traumatic event. And obviously if it did, I wouldn't be able to share it anyway, but the, the point for me is to build the trust with them, do the basics first and then peel the onion because what I want to happen, I want them to fail when they're with me, because if they're with me long enough that they actually fail then we can work through what that trigger is that caused them to fail. If they're with me and they have perfect for the two months that they're with me and nothing ever goes wrong, then, okay, that's kind of nice. But then how do they, how do they cope when they have a oops, when they fall off the wagon? And, and so um, that is actually, I'm, I'm never going to design somebody to like fail on purpose, um, but life happens, right? Life happens. And so the goal for me would be to teach them how to handle things so that when I'm not around, they don't need Trisha to walk them through a scenario or to check in with me to get through it on their own. I want them to build the skills so they don't need somebody like me. Right. So I I still want to hear this morning thing, but is there anything that you would suggest going into the holidays? Like we just got through Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I know this won't air pre Christmas, but It'll be, I guess it'll be closer to spring, but just holidays in general, I guess it's because it's on my mind. Do you have any, any insight on that, what you would recommend to people? Yeah. So first off, I like to drink a lot of water. (laughs) Um, Most of us are eating because we're really thirsty and our thirst, um, instinct is very quiet compared to our hunger and insert uh our our hunger instinct and so if you're getting and i'll say if you weigh 150 pounds you need at least 75 ounces of water a day at least i was drinking i was doing the 75 hard challenge this summer and i was drinking a gallon of water a day which is a lot but i did it for 75 days did i keep it up no even though it was a great habit, it was just 75 gallons was a lot. And it was like one of those, I had to check the box to get that done, but a minimum of half your body weight in ounces. So if you're properly hydrated, then you will eat less food. So that's step. That's key. Number one is make sure you're properly hydrated. The next thing I would say is 
make sure like, you know how people have like a big meal, at like three in the afternoon. So they decide to not eat breakfast or not eat lunch. And then they get to three o'clock in the afternoon and they're so famished. They're like, Oh my God, I got to load up my plate. <laughs> you, basically you eat a healthy breakfast. You eat a small, but healthy lunch. And then you enjoy your celebration dinner. And I'm not one of those people who believe you should completely deprive yourself. But I also believe, like for Thanksgiving, I loaded up my plate with a little bit of everything. I took everything that was out there, but I still had less on my plate than years previously because I made sure to eat a good, healthy breakfast and a healthy lunch so that I wasn't like starving. Okay. So you just want to have a more balanced approach to how you eat rather than saving up all your calories for that special meal. Now, again, I don't believe in 100% deprivation. So like if if you're eating your meal, like really, really enjoy every single bite. Um, that is something that I honestly struggle with. I am a fast eater. I mean, I gobble my food down and I know, like I even told my kids, mommy is working on chewing her food more. It helps with digestion. The first part of digestion is actually in your mouth. So if you chew your food until it's liquid, which how many of us do that, you better digest it and you better absorb everything. Oh, and by the way, it gives your body time to recognize it's full because you're taking a lot longer to eat. So if you just think if you're having, you know, whatever is your favorite meal is filet mignon or ham, or maybe it's an amazing, you know, Parmesan, eggplant, Parmesan, whatever it is that you're eating really enjoy every bite. And I know that we're in a situation now where it's not so easy to um, be able to be with family, but enjoy the company that you're with because those relationships really make a positive difference on how on your health. And so if you can do your absolute best to literally enjoy every single bite and enjoy the time with your family, you will most likely eat less versus starving yourself all day long and you get to the big meal and dump a whole bunch on your food and you gobble it up. Um, those are my advice. So plenty of water, at least 75 or at least half your body weight, um, eat, eat before the big meal, eat healthy before the big meal. So you're not starving and then take the time to enjoy every bite and the, the conversations you're having with your family members or friends. Great advice. Great advice. Okay. Now how about the morning stuff? Cause I'm really curious. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll share my morning routine with you. I wake up before everybody else, depending on what time of day it is. It's just, and I, um, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth and drink a warm glass of water with lemon. So warm, meaning I put it in the microwave for 30 seconds. That's how warm it is. Not hot, warm and lemon alkalizes your body. So even though lemon is itself acidic, when it goes into your body and alkalines your body and disease thrives in acidity and most people's bodies are high acidic. So when you drink alkaline or you put the lemon water in your um, lemon in your water, you help to reduce um, acidity. So you have a more alkaline environment in your body. Then I meditate for 10 minutes. So that's part, I nourish my mind through gratitude, meditation, um, nourish my body. I eat healthy. I eat a healthy breakfast. I do not starve myself. I do not believe. I know people have had success on intermittent fasting. I personally don't believe that's the right thing for women to do, especially. Um, but I eat 
you know, simple, healthy breakfast and I work out, I nourish my mind, my body and my spirit. And, um, then I, then I also do, uh, a quick, well, I should say a quick workout. It all just depends on the day. So six days a week, I'm training. So, um, I try to do that in the morning. Now, most people are picking up their cell phone first thing in the morning. And I think that's what the habit, if I could break for anybody, is eliminate picking up your cell phone first thing in the morning. I actually just use my cell phone as an alarm. And that I stopped that because I realized when I had that alarm going off that it was so easy for me to be able to pick up and check out emails or texts or Facebook messages and or, or Facebook, whatever. And so for the first hour of my day, I'm only doing things that feed me and I'm only working on my priorities. And by doing that, it allows me to be more grounded, more center so that I can focus on other people later in the day. I love that. Yeah, I'm working on that phone thing. I actually had two phones and I left one in uh, Colorado for my, for my cousin to give to my niece. Okay. So, yeah, so I've been regretting that the one that isn't connected to a phone number and all the things. Anyway, it's, it's a tough habit to break. I'm working on it myself. So thank you for calling that out. So, well, and it's one of those things you can't, oh, this is horrible. Like my husband, he lives by it. So he literally wakes up in the morning, he lays in bed, he's in front of the cell phone. And I'm like, I wish, I wish you would consider a different option. So the only thing you can do sometimes is you can't, like even the people that you love, you can't give advice to them. You just have to live it. And then by living it, they might see that you're a happier, healthier, less stressed person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've heard from so many people. I mean, like all the, all the big wigs, you know, like um, Oprah talks about meditation. The very first thing that they talk about is an hour of the day solely towards nourishing the person first. And um, if I could just help people through that process, you know, they may not have weight to lose, but they may not be satisfied with their life. Just following that. There's a book I should also recommend that I read about five years ago that changed my life was called the miracle morning by Hal Elrod. And, um, that's silence affirmations, uh, uh, silence affirm savers is what he calls it. Silence affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading. So I read every day too. That's part of nourishing my mind. Um, and as describing sort of gratitude. So be through that, I do five things I'm grateful for every single morning. So after I drink my water, we go downstairs and meditate for 10 minutes. And I do my gratitude journal and my goal and my goals. I think that's really important that writing all the thing down about here's what I'm, what I've accomplished in the future version that reminds me every single day, like, okay, Trisha, you said that you're an Ironman triathlete. So what did you do today to make that a reality? Um, that is, again, that's mindset stuff. Um, but it's, it's really important, especially gratitude. You, once you start doing your daily gratitude practice, you are so excited to find things that happen throughout your day that you can write about the next day. It's like, Oh my God. <laughs> and as you see, as you start your gratitude practice, you will find more blessings in your life. So I think it kind of attracts more good things to you. I'm aligned with that thinking, Trisha. Mm -hmm. I'm so aligned with that thinking. So I guess, 
because part of this is I'm thinking my audience is mostly entrepreneurs. What I'm taking away from what you're saying is the things that you're talking about could be just as practical for people who are business owners or trying Mm -hmm. to do it themselves. And I think what you said is really important about this hour in the morning. And I really want to bring that home and I need to practice it more myself, but we can function a lot better in our independent businesses Mm -hmm. and not feel so stressed or easily derailed. Or I actually was guilty of eating a couple minutes before we jumped on and here it is like four o'clock Eastern time. But the way my day went, it was not, you know, lunch was at three 30 and I could do better at that. So mm-hmm. I think you said, well, you said a lot of important, really cool things, but taking care of yourself the first hour. And then back in the beginning, you said filling your cup. So it runneth over for the people who like to give, give, give. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that doing these things in the morning, taking care of yourself is what fills the cup. Yeah, for me, absolutely. I am pretty empty by 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. So my kids even understand this. Like if they're not, I am so much nicer (laughs) at 8.30 in the morning than I am at 9.30 at night. And they're not in bed like, all right, it's your, like mommy's empty. And I'll even say, mommy is empty. Like I need you to go to bed. Or or sometimes I lay down and fall asleep with my nine-year-old. So um, it is crucial for any entrepreneur to find ways. I mean, I can't, who's the guy, virgin, virgin, everything, Richard Branson, um, Oprah Winfrey, like everybody does this. The best advice they can give to everybody is, personal development. So spend an hour every single day away from your cell phone, away from your computer, away from technology and only work on you. Love it. Love it. And then, then as you do that, you will have the mindset that you need to get through the day (laughs) and you'll feel better. You'll feel better. And when you feel better, you can accomplish a lot more. And that's really what it is for me. Like once I, so two years ago, I'm not the same person that I was two years ago. I have much bigger dreams for me now that I feel better. Like my body can accomplish so much more. And every time I do something that I thought I couldn't do, I build more confidence. And so when you take time every single morning to nourish your mind, nourish your body, nourish your soul, then again, it just provides the, the um, stability for you to function the best throughout the day. And as caregivers a lot of people decide to give to give give to everybody else and they kind of forget about themselves what i found when i had my five hand surgeries and two elbow surgeries when mama is broken the family suffers so like i said to my personal trainer your job is to make sure i don't get injured i'm going to keep on doing these triathlons and you've got to make sure that my body is in such a way that i don't get injured because if mommy is broken the family falls apart and so if you don't decide that you're the most important thing. And I know that sounds contrary to what everybody else believes, but the greatest gift that I can give to my family is that I'm healthy. The greatest gift I can give to everybody is I take care of myself. So nobody else has to take care of me. 
if I'm healthy, I can do the dishes, I can do the laundry, or I can, you know, I can do all of the things of taking care of the family, cook dinners and carpools. And there were, there was years where I had to hire that. I couldn't, I couldn't cook dinner. I couldn't drive a car. I couldn't do the laundry. And so when that happens in our life, it's painful to live that way. So I, I just want to be in top shape so that I can enjoy my life and still do all the things that need to be done. So the family, it doesn't have an extra burden. Yeah. So my kids. And I think the other thing is, is if, if you have kids, they will adjust because when I started, before I started working out, when I was walking every day, my kids just got used to, Oh, mommy's going for her walk. You know, it's Saturday morning, whatever it's, you know, negative 10 with a wind chill here in Connecticut, mommy puts on her Parker and she goes for her walk. Like they just, everybody got used to it. It wasn't like I was doing a bad thing. It wasn't like I was going out drinking and like, she's not around because she's hanging out with her buddies. It was like, and then I just felt better. And a happy mommy makes a huge difference. Yes. I love that perspective. And you're setting a good example for your family. Like you said, if, if you're doing it, the girls will probably grow up to do it. I would assume, you know, that's a, it's a good foundation that you're setting for them. Yeah. I mean, the best way to teach somebody is to really do it. So, um, if you want your kids to read a book, show them that you read. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty simple. So normally I've been asking as, as one of my wrap up questions is what's your favorite book? And you already gave us a book, but I will give you an opportunity to give us another one if, if you want to. I'm a fan of The Miracle Morning, so I'm not, I'm not saying that that's yeah. not the one. But if you have one, since we're on the topic yeah. of reading. There's so many good books that I recommend to people. Um, I'm not going to say it's my favorite book, but I'm going to give it anyway. It's called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, if you haven't heard of that. Um, he basically talks about how one one percent increments so you do something every single day it builds up to huge results so i like i like the slight edge a lot jed olson you said um olson jeff olson i believe it's jeff olson okay i'm not gonna call that my favorite book but you know if you said trisha what's your favorite movie i'd be like the sound of music with julia (laughs) (laughs) but um as a book that maybe not everybody has heard of, I really like that. I mean, most entrepreneurs should read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. They, I mean, everybody should read that book. But um, The Slight Edge is probably one that's not as popular, but I found to be um, hugely reminds you, especially in this line of work, it might take you a long time to realize the results And so it's like, you have to just fall in love with the process of doing the activities and just know that if you continue to do the activities, eventually wealth will come. Just keep on doing, just keep on going that it's so easy. Some of these tasks that we need to do as entrepreneurs are really easy tasks, but they're so easy. They're also easy not to do. And so if you don't have that strong, why that's pulling you through where you could be like, eh, I don't need to do that today. Well, that sets you back when you, when you skip a day. So I like the slight edge. I'll check that out myself. So thank you. So where can people find you? Um, so I have, my website is www.getyourwowback.com. Love it. 
So that is my website and you can also schedule a free consultation with me and sign up for my newsletter there where I'll send you the um, five habits to get your wow back. So again, that's www.getyourwowback.com. And I'm also on Facebook. So Trisha Robinson Coaching is my fan page. Awesome. And I'll make sure that all of that is in all my places too. People know how to find you, but it's always good to give you a shout out. I appreciate you being here today, Trisha, and educating me. I, I really have enjoyed this. It's so awesome to talk with you. Thank you for the opportunity. 